So much has been written and said about the return of Jesus. Question is, what do you think about it? How do you feel about it? What do you understand when it comes to being ready? Is it all just nice to know information to you? Or do you have a return mindset? A mind set on the return of Jesus? Hi, this is Hansen from Archippus Awakening, a ministry dedicated to the awakening of the saints to know and fulfill our God-given kingdom assignments. And this is what Kingdom 101 is about. We revisit kingdom fundamentals that we may know Jesus our King, embrace His kingdom, and receive and move on kingdom assignments according to His kingdom ways. Will you join me? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the words of Jesus. Holy Spirit, give us understanding so that we can learn and heed and live rightly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus is coming back. That we know. When exactly? No one knows. And yet to discern the signs of the times. All should know. Our readiness and preparedness for His unexpected return must be marked by watchfulness that leads to faithfulness. All must know. I know, you know, all this. But what does that mean to you? You see, to many, all this information is a nice-to-know basis. It awakens and stirs for a while, and then it's back to life as usual. Uh, thanks for letting me know. What's for lunch? All too quickly, the focus shifts back, returns to what the mind is set on, the cares of this life and of this world, the pursuit of personal and earthly desires, the ways of the world, the distractions and attractions that take our attention off what is of eternal value. This is the wrong mindset to return to. This is not the return mindset we want to have. Instead, what we must have is the right return mindset, a mind firmly set upon the return of Jesus. You see, a return mindset is an eschatological mindset, a biblical worldview that provides the right parameters to process and prepare for the end of the age. A return mindset guides how we think, understand, or feel about what we know concerning the return of Jesus and what it means to be ready and prepared. A return mindset will determine how we live in light of His return, resulting in wise, prudent, and sensible decisions and actions. In a word, faithfulness to all that is required and expected of us. This is the right mindset to have. A return mindset. A mind set on the return of Jesus. After emphasizing the unexpectedness of his return, Jesus repeatedly tells the disciples to watch. Now, to watch doesn't mean to just look aimlessly or gaze carelessly or just space out or be distracted by anything or everything that shouts, End times! To watch means to be awake, to be alert, to stand guard, to be sober-minded, single-minded, to have the right mindset a return mindset. Jesus explains this return mindset through four parables, one that closes Matthew 24 and another three in Matthew 25. As in the case of the two men and two women mentioned in Matthew 24, 40 to 41, 
where one was taken and one was left. These parables also describe two categories of people. One who lives with a return mindset and another that lives without any regard to the return of the Lord. Let's read about the two servants in Matthew 24, 45-51. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household, to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him and at an hour that he's not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Remember that parables are simple stories with very recognizable and relatable characters and situations. No huge explanation is required. The point and the truth are both clearly presented. There are two servants with assigned tasks. One is faithful, one is evil. When a master returns, they are both called to account. The faithful servant is promoted and rewarded. The evil servant is punished and rejected. Nothing complicated here. Two types of servants, two categories of people. Which one do you want to be? Which one are you? The choice is yours. Bye. See you soon, whenever that is. Oh, and in case you need some help deciding, let me make it even clearer. Notice the question. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? And then note the answer. Blessed is that servant whom his master when he comes will find so doing. Now this guy's got the right return mindset. That's the one you want to be. Hashtag just saying. The choice is yours. Bye. See you soon. Whenever that is. Oh, but, but, but what about the other guy? Oh, that one? <laughs> Wrong mindset. Doesn't end well. Don't go there. Oh, but the choice is still yours. Bye. See you soon. Whenever that is. Simple? Yes. Clear? Yes. I believe the disciples got it. What about us? This parable and the next three all have one common theme. Readiness for Jesus' return. And for that, you need to have a return mindset. A mind set on the return of Jesus. This parable shows us four reasons why a return mindset is especially important and critical. A return mindset aligns toward kingdom readiness. A return mindset lives the kingdom. A return mindset understands faith. A return mindset takes Jesus at his word. Let's explore these points one at a time. Number one, a return mindset aligns toward kingdom readiness. Let's look at that phrase. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? The word wise is translated from the Greek phronimos, which can also be translated prudent and sensible. Hence, in another translation, it reads as the faithful and sensible servant. Now, this word is derived from the root word phroneo, which means to think, to have a mindset, to be mindful, 
or careful. How we think, understand, and process will affect our conscience, our emotions, as well as our will and decisions and actions. Simply put, how you think about something matters. And what your mind is set on matters a lot. This first servant had a mind set on the return of his master. He had a return mindset. As such, he made wise, careful, prudent, and sensible decisions, which impacted the way he lived and how he went about fulfilling what he had been assigned. And that also governed the way he dealt with others. Now, such a mindset prepared and aligned him towards readiness for whenever the master would return. The second servant, however, says in his heart, now that's an indication of his thoughts, his desires, his mindset. Now he knew the master would return, but he had no regard for that at all. His mindset was there was still time to get away with all he wanted to do and how he wanted to live. There was still ample time to get things quickly settled Whatever is outstanding, he'll put in place and pretend all's good and in order. And if all else fails, well, to feign and plead ignorance. His return mindset was faulty or non-existent, non-existent at all. As such, it determined the way he made decisions and how he lived and how he related with others. When Jesus and his kingdom are not the right reference points, then the self becomes the reference point, And that always results in misalignment. What and how we think about matters. Matters, matters greatly. It's not just what you know about the coming and the return of Jesus. It's also what you think, feel, understand about what you know that frames the right return mindset, resulting in faithfulness, rendering you ready and prepared for Jesus' return. A return mindset aligns toward kingdom readiness. Number two, a return mindset lifts the kingdom. Allow me to make this important point again. This fifth kingdom discourse in Matthew is about kingdom readiness. However, kingdom readiness is premised upon all the other four discourses. You cannot have kingdom readiness apart from kingdom ways, kingdom assignments, kingdom wisdom, and kingdom relationships. And a return mindset is extremely mindful of this and enables one to live out the kingdom. Consider Jesus' description of the evil servant. It seems to be a direct reference to Matthew 23 of how the religious leaders treated others wrongly and badly, not according to the heart of the kingdom and not according to the spirit of the law. It was also a stark reminder to the disciples not to commit the same error. Kingdom authorities are not to be abused. Kingdom assignments must be carried out with kingdom hearts and in kingdom ways. The principles, the key principles of kingdom relationships, love, humility, forgiveness, restoration, must be upheld and lived out amongst fellow servants as they served one another and alongside each other. Peter later would give the same instruction to leaders. The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ 
and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. 1 Peter 5, 1-4 Now notice the return mindset. When the chief shepherd appears. Of course, Peter focuses on what is positive, but we must not forget the warning that comes with those who don't live in this manner. In Luke's account, this parable was clearly directed at leaders. He writes in this way, Who then is a faithful and wise steward? Luke chapter 12, verse 42. Well, Matthew uses the term instead of steward, servant, broadening it to apply to all who serve, all who have been appointed and assigned by the master. Indeed, leaders are held to higher and greater accountability. But all are expected to have a return mindset, to have kingdom readiness according to kingdom ways, kingdom assignments, kingdom wisdom, and kingdom relationships. The king is returning for the people of the kingdom. And kingdom people are expected to have kingdom mindsets, not worldly ones, that they will live according to the ways of the king and his kingdom. Now, these are the ones who will be truly ready for the return of the king. A return mindset lives the kingdom. Number three, a return mindset understands active faith. Now, in the minds of many, as long as they believe and have been saved by faith, they are ready for Jesus' return. Well, this is not entirely wrong, but it can be very incomplete thus potentially deceptive. Through this parable, Jesus clearly shows that saving faith is more than just passive believing. Saving faith is active faith that leads to faithfulness. The words faith, pistis, and faithful, pistos, are both closely related, obviously and understandably so. Faith in the person will result in one being faithful to that person. When one believes in Jesus, puts his faith in Jesus, it is expected that faithfulness will follow. Because out of what one believes, he or she will act on that faith. And we are reminded, faith without works is dead. In this parable, one servant had faith, believed in his master and his return. Now, out of that faith, he was wise, prudent, sensible, and we say faithful. The other servant also had faith, also believed in the return of his master. However, he did not live in accordance to what he believed or what he was assigned to do, and therefore unfaithful. Now, when a master returns, the evil servant is called to account and judged. He finally finds himself with the hypocrites in Matthew 24, 51. Now, in Luke's version of this parable, this person is found with the unbelievers, arpistos, the unbelievers. Now, why is this so? Now, was he not a believer? Did he not have faith? Well, if pistos is faithful, then arpistos can also be rendered unfaithful. Now, don't miss this point. 
unfaithful ones are considered no different as unbelieving ones. After all, if one believes, has faith, then that one will act on that faith and be faithful. Now, that's the expectation. Similarly, those who only profess to have faith but do not live according to that faith, now these are considered hypocrites. This is a Greek word for actors who wear masks simply to play out a role. So instead of active faith, these had actor faith. Note again that hypocrites and unbelievers were used interchangeably by Matthew and Luke. In other words, in God's eyes, unfaithful, hypocrite, unbeliever, they are all the same. No difference. Now, this is a very, very sobering point. And you don't want to only discover this point when Jesus returns. You want to know and to understand this now. And this is why you need the right return mindset to understand faith, active faith, and faithfulness correctly and accurately. We must also be very aware that God regards hypocrisy extremely seriously. In the Sermon on the Mount, a teaching on kingdom ways, Jesus called out the hypocrites, actor faith. In Matthew 23, Jesus directed the term at the religious leaders. Seven times he called them hypocrites. These were all in full-time ministry, all professional clergy. These were all serving to the best of their ability and knowledge, or so they think, just not in kingdom ways. These were all doing the religious thing, yet missing the kingdom of God entirely. These all thought they were faithful, but in the words of Jesus, they were evil and wicked, hence unfaithful, and will find themselves with hypocrites and unbelievers. Now, this is a very, very sobering point. What is even more sobering for us is that there are many hypocrites today. Many presume that they are faithful because they attend services and are active in churchy activities. Many serve, but not in kingdom ways of love and humility. Many look and they talk godly. They have a form of godliness, but no power. Many claim to represent Jesus, but they do not reveal the Christ at all. Many wear the Christian label, but are not faithful at all. Instead, bring shame to the name of Jesus. Many hold positions, key positions in churches, but live differently in their marriages, their families, their homes, and their workplaces. What is faith to you? Now, it's great that you believe that Jesus is God, Lord, and King. I know you also believe that Jesus is coming again and soon. But you cannot stop there. The evil and unfaithful servant believed too, but he did not have the right return mindset and suffered the consequences. A return mindset understands the difference between active faith and active faith. Faith must move and grow towards faithfulness to the one you declared faith in. Wherever he sends, be faithful to go. Whatever he assigns, be faithful to do. Because a return mindset understands active faith and faithfulness. And finally, number four, a return mindset takes Jesus at his word. 
When Jesus said that his words will never pass away, he meant it. Every single word will be fulfilled. Matthew 5.18, also Matthew 24.35. Now we tend to read this and apply this only to the good stuff, right? The promises, the blessings. But we must also remember that every single word also applies to the not-so-nice parts, the warnings and also the consequences. Because Jesus means what he says. And a return mindset takes Jesus at his word. Every word. For the faithful servant, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. Assuredly, for sure, most certainly, that's a promise. Jesus means what he says. Now before you shout, Amen, and presume anyone can simply name it and claim it, you must note that this is a conditional promise. If a certain condition is met, the promise will be fulfilled because Jesus means what he says. And so, if the condition of faithful stewardship is met, the promise of promotion and reward will most definitely be given. If not, then no amount of decreeing or amening will bring that to pass. Well, let's not stop here, right? Because most don't read the next part, but we must. After a conditional promise, Jesus issues a consequential warning. If a servant is found to be unfaithful and evil, the master will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a warning of a consequence. Still the words of Jesus, I must remind you. Now the phrase cut in two is covenant language. When a covenant is made, parties cut an animal into two parts and walk in between these parts together as a pledge and commitment to each other to keep the covenant. Now by doing so, one party is saying to the other, if I break my part of the covenant, if I don't keep my end of the bargain, you can do to me as we did to this animal. Ooh. Now in the parable, the servant did not perform according to what was expected. Now this tantamount to like a breaking of a covenant. As such, he's cut off from what he could have had if he had remained in the master's household. So this is a very serious warning with a very dire consequence. And assuredly, Jesus means what he says. And he goes on, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now what does that mean? What does it refer to? In four other places in Matthew, the same phrase or similar is used. Upon seeing the faith of the centurion, a Gentile believer, Jesus then said, the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In the parable of the wheat and tares, the angels will take those the sons of the wicked one, who offend and practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. In the parable of the dragnet, the other kingdom parable, the angels will separate the wicked from the just two categories and cast them into the furnace of fire, and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And again in the parable which we will explore soon in Matthew 25, the unprofitable servant is cast into outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now across all these examples, one thing is clear. Weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth all apply to the faithless, the unfaithful and the lawless. 
and all refer to a level of intense regret, pain, and frustration. Now, I don't think we like this part very, very much, right? And it doesn't sound so nice. But these are the words of Jesus. Now, some say that these are still in the kingdom, right? Those who believe they're still in the kingdom, they're still safe, and there are just no rewards and no promotion, and hence the deep regret, the gnashing of teeth. Now, as much as I'd like to agree with this view, the accompanying words simply do not support this notion or position. Listen, cast out into outer darkness, cast into the furnace of fire. These are all pictures of judgment, torment, and destruction. And so, well, others say that, no, 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 this teaching is before Jesus went to the cross, still under the old covenant. Now, everything changed after Jesus died on the cross and established the new covenant. Today's salvation is by faith. As such, this is no longer applicable. I know this sounds really nice and comforting. And again, I'd really like to believe this. However, then does it mean that I do not need to be faithful at all? That I can then live hypocritically, treat everyone badly, get away with everything. As long as I have faith, I just believe and that's cool. And honestly, as I read the Bible, I don't see any change of instruction at all. In Matthew 28, 20, Jesus said that we are to teach all to observe all things that I have commanded you. Notice he didn't say, accept this verse, accept that passage, before the cross, after the cross. He said all things, and all things means all things, and Jesus means what he says. And so putting it all together, we can't help but be confronted with a very serious warning, and an extremely dire consequence if... That warning is ignored or if it goes unheeded. A return mindset takes Jesus at his word because Jesus means what he says, both the conditional promise as well as the consequential warning. And so I remind myself, love the blessings, amen, praise the Lord. But I am reminded also to heed the warnings because Jesus means what he says. Jesus will definitely be faithful to fulfill the promise. But Jesus will also be faithful to deliver the consequence. We cannot hold on to the one we prefer and disregard the one that does not sound as appealing. If your mind is set upon the return of Jesus, you will love both the promises as well as the warnings because they are there for our good. Now, I know some are still saying, surely Jesus doesn't mean it, does he? Well, then I have to ask you this question. Then why issue the warning? And if this is just an empty threat, how do I know if the promises are not also empty promises? Which do I believe? Which do I not believe? I sure don't want to wait for his return to find out. And if I truly believe that Jesus means what he says, then I will take Jesus at his word and live accordingly. Because a return mindset takes Jesus at his word. Let's wrap this teaching up. The parable of the faithful servant and the unfaithful servant in Matthew 24, 45-51 is not a difficult one to comprehend. That's how parables are meant to be. I can safely presume that we all want to be like the faithful servant not the unfaithful one. However, it's not enough to just indicate a preference and hope for the best. 
Instead, it will require a certain conviction and commitment to move in that direction. And might I add, a certain mindset, a return mindset, a mindset on the return of Jesus. Because a return mindset aligns toward kingdom readiness. A return mindset lives the kingdom. A return mindset understands active faith, not actor faith. A return mindset takes Jesus at his word because Jesus means what he says. What is your mind set on? I pray that you will not just be stirred by this teaching only to return to a worldly or faulty mindset. May all our minds be radically renewed, to be rightly set on the things of the Spirit, on things above and not on the earth, and firmly fixed upon the return of our Saviour King, Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this. Lord Jesus, help us, Lord, to have this return mindset. Holy Spirit, Lord, Show us what it means, Lord, so that we can be focused, fixed on the right things and not be distracted by what is not important. Let our minds be ever fixed on your return so that we can be ready for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining me for another Kingdom 101 teaching. For past teachings, visit our website, kingdom101.rkeepersawakening.org. Until the next time, this is Hansen signing off. Stay awakened, aligned, and assigned. God bless you. Mm -hmm.